Greetings and felicitations. Welcome to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben-Hur, and this is going to be the beginning of a new episode, but it's also going to be a very short segment. Uh, I'm in bad shape right now. I'm I'm hurting. Uh, You can also tell my voice sounds rather weak, and that's because I had a treatment today that didn't uh, it wasn't perfect, and it wasn't without its, uh, trials and tribulations, I guess. Um, I, if you heard my last episode, uh, you'll know that on Wednesday, uh, I missed a treatment because they were having issues at the clinic. Well, if I was able to get up at 4 in the morning to show up on time at 5.30 and wait to get called in, and you are not ready, I'm only going to give you 15 minutes to get it together, or I'm moving on. i got other things to do. I got up, made the effort to get there on time. You should be prepared. And I'm talking about the clinic itself should be prepared. And as I find out... There was no water issue. It was a staffing issue. And it was one staff member that, I don't know if he ever showed up or if he was just late. And the floor nurse refused to open the clinic until the entire staff was present. Uh, Coming from a business where time and timing was important and crucial, and if we didn't have people present, they were punished. Uh, They were written up and, if necessary, terminated, simply because we run on a schedule. And you, I'm assuming, are given ample time to arrive and do your job. You know, so this is no different. It's a job, show up on time, do your job. It's that simple. Uh, but then all of a sudden somebody doesn't show up and all hell breaks loose. And so now we, the patients, have to pay for that. That's not right. So anyway, I skipped the treatment on Wednesday. So here comes Friday. Uh, my, my position, and, and I will just clarify this, uh, they will call, and, and nobody called me to follow up. But they will call to try to reschedule, which, which you know, they, they, go, they go the extra mile to try to reschedule so you don't miss a treatment. But my thing is, and it may be silly to some, but this is my thinking, my schedule is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I get up every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 4 in the morning, prepare myself to get there on time, so that way I can meet my chair time, which is 5.45. I don't always meet that chair time. Sometimes I'm late, sometimes they're early. Not because of me, I'm there on time, I'm, I'm there... I'm walking into the clinic at 5.35, as always. Some days they're saying, okay, come on, let's go to the back. And some days I'm sitting there at 6 o'clock, 6.15, and they're just getting me in. I understand things happen. Slows people down. Okay, that's fine. But my thinking is I'm only going to give you 15 minutes. That if nobody comes out to talk to us, to tell us what's going on, to tell us what the problem is, I'm not going to wait around anymore. I've given you more than enough time. You need to communicate with us. If you can't or you're unwilling to, then say so. And I will present that to the higher-ups, and if they will take the appropriate action and maybe terminate that individual and bring somebody in that will get things done. It's it's that simple. Uh, I'm not trying to blow this out of proportion. I think I'm very reasonable in doing what I'm doing. But anyway, the whole point of this is that I missed a treatment, and I came in today, and I was a kilo over. I I usually bring in 2.2 kilos, and my body can handle that. Today I brought in 3.2, so they start taking it out. About half an hour before my time was done, I started to feel not faint, but flushed. I could feel 
like I was starting to burn up. I touched my forehead. I was cool as a cucumber. So it, this is something internal. This is something internal to what's what's being done with the dialysis. So I called my technician over and I told him, hey, you know, I'm not trying to alarm anybody, but I'm not going to pass out, but I feel blah like this. So he starts looking at the machine. He looked at the computer and saw the, 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 the trail of my blood pressures and said, your blood pressure is starting to go down, which is why you feel that way. So he turns the machine off. And he says, I'm going to come and check on you in 10 minutes. And since you're almost done, if you want, we can just terminate you. and uh, Or if you want to write it out, it's up to you. He said, okay. So he came back 10 minutes later. I felt better. Uh, so he said by reading the machine, he goes, we've already taken off 2.9 of 3.2. So that's going to leave me a little bit over, but not by much. So he said, you want me to take you off now? He's only, you only got five to seven minutes left. I said, no, I'll write it out. I feel better. So he walked away. The, the machine ran. The, the alarm went off at the termination. The, the time had ended. So he came, uh, disconnected me. But, man, I was sore. And I can really feel it right now in my voice. My voice, if you've heard the show, is usually stronger. So... I got off the machine, and, you know, I clotted up, they taped me up, and I'm leaving the, the, the facility. I'm walking okay, but I'm very, it feels like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cramp up. Oh, oh yeah, right before I, I left, uh, I was holding my, my wounds and waiting for them to clot, and I sneezed. Oh, my God, I got a cramp in my abdomen like you would not believe, and it wouldn't let go. I didn't complain. I didn't say anything. Cramps are part of the norm there. So I just do what I normally do. I deep breathe, deep, long breaths, and slowly the cramp released and subsided. So I was very careful when I left. So I got in my car, drove, I'm driving home, and uh, I feel like crap. It really hit me hard. And it was to be expected. I, I brought in a little bit more than I should have because, like I said, normally I'll bring in 2.2 or so, and my body's used to that, not 2.9 or 3.2. So I got home. I had my regular post-clinic uh, meal, and then I went and laid down because I was out of it. I slept for about three hours. And then when I woke up, I felt pretty good. And I got up. And then as the day wore on, I really started to feel like I'm dragging. They took out a lot. Which was more than my body was prepared to give up. So my body's going to retaliate and take it out on me. I understand. I get it. It's, it's, it's happened before. And it won't be the last time that it happens. So, uh, right now I feel really, really bad. Not not bad, bad, but uh, earlier uh, I was having issues where those feelings were coming back. Like I was, my blood pressure was dropping, but uh, they passed. So now I'm going to go to bed, and uh, hopefully by the morning I will I will have recuperated and feel a lot better. And uh, so, I'm going to leave you with that, and uh, we're going to move on. I will be better tomorrow, and uh, we'll go from there. So, uh, once again, thank you for listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. This is Ben Hur. Stick around. We'll have more for you to come, and I'll be in much better shape. Alrighty, thank you. Hold on. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. And thank you for sticking around and listening to more of my podcast. Well, today is Saturday. I slept fairly well. And when I woke up this morning, when I opened my peepers, the dragginess 
uh, was gone. I didn't feel as bad as I did yesterday. It's it's an effect of uh, going in heavy. That's a problem with going in heavy to clinic as they draw moisture, water, and other things out of your body. Your body reacts. And sometimes they pull out a little too much. See, they'll, they'll tell you, you go and you weigh, in, you weigh in at a certain weight. Like Friday, I weighed in at uh, 120.8 kilos. My dry weight is 118.2. So I brought in, what was it, 3.2 kilos. I came in at one, sorry, 121.2. So I brought in 3.2 kilos. They normally take out 2.5 to get me back to my regular dry weight, which is 118.2. So when you bring in more, they tend to draw more out. And so your body wants to hold on to that moisture and not let it go. And then your body reacts by some people pass out, some people get nauseous. Uh... You cramp up, but either way, you, you're just feeling generally crappy. You really don't want to go through that, but it happens. And it was my choice to miss the treatment because I just get tired of their bullshit sometimes. Because, look, it's a pretty good company, but I say pretty good because every corporation has a dark side to it, and sometimes that dark side shows. No matter what the head doctor may say that he cares about patients and patients' rights and this and that, somewhere down the line somebody's going to get their rights violated and they're going to have a crappy time. It happens. But I feel better now. Uh, so if I can make it, I'll get through the weekend. And then we start all over on Monday and then hopefully we can get back on track where I don't feel so bad. And if they can get back on track and not screwing up and causing us to have to make a decision not to treat or to treat, well, then we can, we're better off. So what I'm going to talk about right now is I'm doing, a, it's a very rare that I do a daytime episode or a daytime segment because I like doing them at night because I can assess the day's events and present them to you. Because yesterday, what I was originally going to discuss was the whole anarchy thing. I'm not going to go into the whole, my ideas of conspiracy theory and whatnot, but I'm just going to talk about what is. And what is, is people, anarchists, or people who just hate America, who are tearing down statues, paintings, busts of famous people, now, I understand if you're upset about racism and the Civil War, but tearing down the statue of Stonewall Jackson or Robert E. Lee is not going to get you anywhere. It doesn't, here's the thing, it does not change history. Robert E. Lee is, is who he was and did what he did. It's the same thing with uh, Stonewall Jackson or, or any of the other uh, prominent uh, figures in uh, that time of, of uh, our, our history. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because the uh, yesterday on on it was Friday I think it was Friday I was watching a movie on the History Channel it was called The Monuments Men. It's a very interesting movie and it gives you a very good perspective of what's going on now. It's about a if you've never seen it it's about a uh, a unit that was put together during the, the latter years of World War II to hunt down and track the stolen art that Nazi Germany had plundered from all the con the countries it had conquered France, Belgium, Poland, whatever the Netherlands and this art collection was extensive paintings by Rembrandt, Picasso, Van Gogh you name it, uh, Leonardo da Vinci and Stoneworks by Michelangelo and all the other great stone workers. So they set out on uh, on the mission, which was to find as much art as they could and reclaim it. And if they could, re return it to its rightful owners, because a lot of this art was stolen from Jewish people, as the Germans, uh, the Nazis, raided their their homes and took all their valuable possessions. Ultimately, all this art was supposed to be housed in the Führer Museum 
in uh, which was this great giant museum that had he succeeded Adolf Hitler would have constructed and uh, so now we're, we're out trying to find all this art collecting so they're, they're putting pieces and pieces together from hearsay from map, maps and captured German officers and, uh, and the like to track this art down and they do a pretty good job of it then they uh, toward the end of the war they're up against competition from the Russians because the Russians are doing the same thing but they're not doing it to restore the art to its rightful owners or to uh, the countries it came from they were called a trophy brigade this was art that they were going to claim for themselves as reparations for what Germany did to them when they invaded uh, Soviet Russia so it's a very interesting movie with these men. They were engineers, they were architects, they were art critics, they were art lovers, they were artists. And some of them gave their lives for the sake of that art. And then when I see disgruntled, angry children, and they're usually children of privilege and who never knew what it was like to go hungry or have to figure out where their next meal is going to come from, uh, like many minorities have to deal with and they want to tear down these images because they don't want it to exist they want it to go away but you know what you can't if I if you listen to my podcast a couple of episodes back I told you that we live in a linear fashion we live from point A going to point A to point B we can never go back to history we can only look back and that's why we have such monuments continuity of where we came from and knowing that we can't ever do that again to move forward and, and, and get ahead and move this civilization forward to where it's supposed to be. You can blame Trump. You can say, yeah, I hate Trump. But really and truly, I've asked people this question. Why do you hate Trump? And nobody can give me a definite answer because there is no definite These are just people that want to hate somebody because they want to hate. And when I stop and I think about this, uh, I think about Jesus. Because Jesus was also violently hated by the Pharisees. He was loved by the masses because he preached, a, he marched to the tune of a different drummer. But the Pharisees, he enraged them because he went against the grain of what was right in the Roman society. And it threatened their, their power base. That's the thing. It threatened their power base like... All this is threatening the power base of the Democrats. Which is why it's funny you don't see many of them doing doing or saying anything about any of this. So anyway, it's a, this is about a competition to erase history. The, the Nazis were doing the same thing. They were trying to erase history and put theirs in place. As the old saying goes, to the victor go the spoils. The victors write history as they see fit. If you look at Russian history... All the great works and great successes were done by the Soviet people and Joseph Stalin. They don't give anybody else any credit for what, what's, what's been accomplished, and that's wrong. Everybody, I don't care what color you are, what creed, or what eth ethnicity you are, you or your ancestors have been guilty of some sort of atrocities to other individuals or to other groups. You can't help it. We're human beings. We have that's our, one of our biggest faults, and we're trying to correct it. But you can't correct it by tearing down statues of Stonewall Jackson, General General Lee, or oh my God, even Christopher Columbus. What did he do? They're saying he's got blood on his hands because he caused, he created colonialism. This is what we do. Do you know how many tribes were wiped out by when when? Uh, Neanderthal man came into came into to the top of the list, or even then Cro-Magnon. We wiped out a lot of species, even our own, because that's just the way it goes. You can't help it. It just it is what it is. We're trying to get better. We can, but tearing down you know Chris, tearing down the statue of Christopher Columbus was just ridiculous. And then I heard that in California they tore down the statue of a saint 
he was the same man that came up from Mexico and named the towns of San Diego, Los Angeles, and San Bernardino. He himself was sanctified by Pope John Paul II back in the 80s, and they erected a statue in his honor, and they tore it down because they said he was responsible for the indigenous peoples to be destroyed. You know what? You can't blame any one individual. You can blame progress. When the Spaniards first came over into the New World, into Mexico, and met with the, with the Aztec Indians, they brought syphilis, rats, and every other disease that, that was known to Europe, but it was not known to the Indians, and they, it ran rampant through all of their population and decimated them. It wasn't anybody's fault. It's not some guy said, I'm going to give them all these diseases and we're going to kill them and take their land. We're pretty good at taking things from other people whether we want it or not. You know that. You know our history. So, getting back to the monuments, man. These were men that were dedicated to saving, to preserving the art that it was. You may not think much of a statue of Teddy Roosevelt, but it is a work of art. Or would you tear down a statue of the Madonna and Child? Because it represents Christianity. See, now when you have groups like BLM and Antifa saying that after they get rid of all the statues, Jesus Christ and religion is next. This has already happened in Argentina 20 years ago. Oh, actually, no, back in the 80s, 40 years ago. When uh, a man by the name of Hugo Chavez took over and altered the government. And what did they start doing? They started taking down all the statues of all their icons. They started changing the history of the nation. Then when they had taken all the statues down, and all the people said, no, it's not going to happen here. No pasa aquí. It won't happen here. And it happened there. And then once all those statues were gone, guess who they started on next? They started on religion. They started tearing down religious icons, Jesus Jesus and the latter, and, G and, Mary, and Mary, Mary, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And now you see our, our Venezuela is, a, is the poorest country in South America. They have rampant inflation. People are starving. The only one that, that has anything is the government, is the president, who is also a Mar Marxist uh, supporter. The leaders of BLM went to visit the president of Venezuela and commended him on the success of the, of the revolution. People are starving there, and they're congratulating a dictator, and you funnel money for BLM. I don't disagree with their message. Black lives do matter. All lives matter. White, black, yellow, red doesn't matter. Everybody matters. We have to learn to coexist, and by coexisting, we have to accept what is and what has been and what will be. The only thing, the future is not written yet, so it's not etched in stone. We can change it anytime we want. We have to want to change it. We have to believe we can change it. And tearing down statues and, and monuments is not the way to do it. Uh, it disturbs me when I have to think and talk like this. What is the answer? I don't know. I think this is me. I think first and foremost there are two things that need to go back in the schools. We need to get rid of, first we need to get rid of the rhetoric of racism and how we are all at fault. When you tear down the statue of a man that lived 150 years ago, or say the Civil War times, that was the time that they lived in and they did the best they could. We are judging them on, by our standards, which we cannot do. I'm sure if Abraham Lincoln saw what was going on, he would shake his head and probably weep because he doesn't understand the context that we live in now. We've gone through several major wars since the Civil War, and here we are. But this is not the way. Dr. Reverend Martin Luther King said the same thing. Only violence begets violence. And people, good people, innocent people die. And Benjamin Franklin once said, the only thing for evil to, needs to do for it to exist and thrive is for good men to do nothing. 
be a good man, be a good person and put a stop to this. How? You call. You don't pick up a rock or a bat or a gun. You call your congressman, you call your state representative, you talk, you call your, your U.S. senator and you tell them this needs to stop. We need to put this to an end. It needs, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that this happened to George Floyd. It is. But this was, be, it's like I said, you're going to see that this is going to be between two men who had a beef. But it got blown way out of proportion. Now the other thing that needs to change is we need to put God back in school. And to an extreme, I think we need to bring back corporal punishment. When you, when I was a child in school, we learned discipline. We learned that there were consequences to all your actions, good or bad. If they were good, you got rewarded. If they were bad, you got punished. That's gone out the window. You have schools awarding ribbons for just showing up and participating. There are no more winners and losers because we're all losers. Each one of us. I don't care if you're here in the United States. I don't care if you're in Ireland, in England, in Africa. It's all the same. We all lose. Nobody moves up. Nobody advances. Nobody gets ahead. Because we're all going to stand up to our knees in pools of blood and guts. Trying to figure out who's the enemy and who we got to kill. I'm not saying we're going to get better overnight. It's going to take time. Well, that's my two cents on all this that's going on. And wow, I had a very successful afternoon segment. All right. Well, that's going to close this one. Once again, if you have questions about anything, hit me up. I'm going to be developing a website for the Chairland Chronicles as well as an email address so you can hit me up directly and we can chat, we can rap, we can talk, we can talk about it on the air. All right. Stick around. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. We'll be right back. Thanks. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thanks for sticking around. Welcome back. Well, today is Tuesday, uh, June the 30th, the last day of the month. July rolls around tomorrow and the beginning of a long uh, July 4th weekend. July the 4th is actually on a Saturday this year. But let me get back to today's topic. And actually, this is something I don't think is a very rare thing that I'm doing this topic, which is actually going to be my topic tomorrow in my in my blog, uh, but let me set the stage for you. There, I used to have a comic uh, cartoon strip, one panel, and at the top of the strip it said, first day of medical school. You see a doctor standing in front of a chalkboard, and lesson one on the chalkboard is written as, as such, a patient cured is a customer lost. Because that's going to be the bulk of today's uh, segment. I had a dental appointment today at 11 o'clock. Simple routine tooth cleaning. In preparation for what else is coming. This is the first tooth cleaning of six that i got to knock out before I get uh, my other tooth pulled and uh, my two teeth crowned. So... My appointment was for 11 o'clock. I left the house at about 10.35. Took me 10 minutes to get there. It's fairly close to me. Hernandez Dental. No relation. And uh, so now because of the COVID, you have to wait outside and call them and then they will come and get you or tell you to come in. The, The business is open. They just don't want people just wandering in. I get it. So it's 10.45 when I get to the, uh, to the place and I call them. Hello, blah, 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 I got an appointment at 11 o'clock, tooth cleaning, and this is what I get. Uh, the hygienist is not ready, it's going to be a little bit longer, but we will come out and get you when she's ready. Okay? Now, let me explain my interpretation of that. When you tell me that you're going to come and get me, that means you're going to come outside, open the door and say, please, come on in, we're ready for you. 
or at least you're going to come check on me. So I'm outside waiting and waiting and waiting. And then all of a sudden, this white guy comes walking up. He's got a mask on, uh, pulls out his phone, makes a phone call, and they say, come right in. So he goes right in. All right, I'm starting to get miffed because I'm being treated poorly. So finally, I look at my, my phone, and it's 20 minutes after 11. Mind you, my appointment was at 11 o'clock. So I called the, the office. I didn't go in because I'm going to honor the COVID rules that they have. I called the receptionist. She answered the phone. I said, hi. Once again, this is so-and-so. I got an 11 o'clock appointment. It's 11.20. What's going on? Uh, well, the hygienist is almost done with her other customer. If you can wait about 10 more minutes. And I said, my appointment was at 11 o'clock. It's 11.20. At 10 more minutes, that's going to put me at 11.30. I have other things to do that were, were crucial to my time in and out of this place. Uh, well, uh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You don't understand. I'm leaving. I will call you later and reschedule this appointment for another time. I'm not going to pay because I missed the appointment because you guys screwed up and, and overbooked. And that's why the hygienist was backed up. Do you understand me? Well, yes. Well, we're really sorry. I, I don't care. You can put all your sorries in a sack. You treated me poorly. I'm a patient. I'm a customer. And that stuck in my head as I got in my car and I left. And I went about my business. I had other things I had to do. So I started thinking, why are we called patients when you're in a medical... Even, even when I'm at a clinic, I'm a patient. I'm not who I am. I'm, I'm a patient. And they treat me as such. And then I realized, when I was at HEB today buying my groceries for the 4th, Everywhere I encountered an employee at HEB, it was, yes, sir, how you doing, sir? Let me get out of your way, sir. Sir, 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 sir. My, my mom was mentioning it was, ma'am, 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 it hit me. And I told my mom, I said, that's why they call us patients, because they try our patients. They don't treat us like customers. Here at HEB, they know I'm a customer, I'm a paying customer, so they're going to treat me with respect. HEB never used to do that. Now they do. It's most gauche. It's very, very on the up and up, which is a good thing, I think. Maybe COVID had something to do with it. That you know, social distancing means we gotta we gotta be a little bit more polite to one another. So I found out the basic difference between a patient and a customer. They understand that I'm a paying customer at H E B, so they're gonna treat me with respect. At a doctor's office, they don't have to treat you with respect. They can treat you as badly as they want. They can make you wait as long as you want. How many of, have, of you have had a doctor's appointment at 10 o'clock? You show up at 9.30 because they ask you to be there nine, 30 minutes ahead of your appointment schedule to appease the doctor. So you, you got an appointment at 9 o'clock, sharp. You're there at 8.30, sharp. And the receptionist says the doctor is running late. You're a patient. You're supposed to be patient. And that's the biggest load of crap I think that exists out there. I think that's the reason why people have such a big mistrust of the medical field. I respect everybody that goes into that field because everybody that I've encountered, doctor, nurse, and even the simple candy striper that helps out at the hospital has been fantastic. So I know a lot of these people get into that field because they care about humanity. They care about other people. But in the situations where some doctors get together and form a corporation, like at my clinic, there's it's a consortium of doctors that have, that have bundled together and formed a corporation. Now you're not dealing with just a doctor's office, you're dealing with a corporate office that have rules. Very, very silly, stupid rules sometimes. Oh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You've, you've encountered them, you just don't realize it. Patience. Patience is a virtue, they say. But when you're a patient, you get treated very, very badly sometimes. Almost to the point where you could consider it abuse. Because they don't treat you with a whole lot of respect. Not all the time. You know, uh, there was a time when the doctors would just barge into the, to the examining room. Now they knock. 
What happened? Why, what changed? I have a good, very good rapport with my personal care physician, Dr. Lewis. We, we have a good rapport. We, we, when he comes, when I go to see him, we end up talking about all sorts of crazy stuff. Because we got all of my medical stuff out of the way. And I don't really have any questions or, or, or anything that, that's going on that he needs to know about. So we roll on. And that's the other problem with you being a patient. You're afraid to talk to your doctor. Don't be afraid. Tell them what you feel. Tell them how you feel. Tell them what you think. They'll correct you if you're wrong. And sometimes they'll do it very very carefully. And not to make you feel stupid. But you have to know your condition. You have to know the condition of your condition. And you have to know how to treat your condition. Because if you're not paying attention, the doctor will pull the wool over your eyes. And you will go home, what did he say for me to do again? Yeah. Being a patient and a customer are two different things. So. Now I don't even know if I want to go back to that doctor. Maybe I, maybe I should find another dentist. But you know, they're going to treat you the same way. It doesn't change. I've had negative encounters with almost every doctor's office I've been to simply because they treat you like an idiot. But then again, when I sit in the waiting room and I watch the way people come in, they deserve to be treated like idiots because they they come in like children not knowing where they are and expect you to lead them by the hand. And you're adults, you're grown-ups. Know what's going on. Know what you're there for, why you're there, how to, how to get the help that you need. Don't expect the doctor to lead you in by the hand and say, now, now, let's see what's going what's the matter. No, because you, they know you're a grown-ass man or a grown-ass woman and they're going to treat you as such. My mom had an episode where she went to the doctor to explain what was going on with her. The doctor ended up giving her a competency test. My mom was very upset when the test was over because she, I think she failed it, I'm not sure. They didn't, they didn't restrain her or put her in handcuffs or lock her up or put her in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, on South Pressa, but she, she's pretty confident she failed the competency test. She had no idea they were going to give that to her. She just wanted to explain to the doctor that she, she had a simple case of vertigo. And what do I do for it? But no, the doctor goes off the deep end and decides to give her a competency test, which I thought was very, very unprofessional. So now my mother is very uncomfortable with this doctor. And I've told her, I said, let's go get you another one. You know, here's the thing, people. You have a primary care physician. If you don't like that doctor, to hell with them. Get you another doctor. Find somebody that you're comfortable with male or female depending on what your preference is and find one that you like that you think has the nice disposition listens to you you know and is willing to talk to you on the level that you're at we find doctors that we just need a doctor so we stick with them and I've had the fortunate luck to find really good doctors Dr. Lewis is a great guy when I first met Dr. Velez, my nephrologist, I thought we were going to have a very adversarial relationship because he would always treat me pretty, pretty bad. I mean, he would just, he would, his sarcasm was very, very biting. And then one day I was in the hospital having a surgery done and he showed up and he's talking to me like he, he's known me for years. And then ever since then, our relationship has been like that. Weird. And then I've run into doctors It's like, oh my God, I don't even want to give them the time of day. I don't even want to talk to them when I'm in the, in the room with them to see them for, specifically for me. They're people and not everybody rubs everybody the right way. Customers and patients. And sometimes it has, you have to require a lot of patience to be a customer. But I keep thinking about that one car, the comic strip. A patient cured is a customer lost. And that leads me to, to my next point. A customer lost. If, they, if a doctor loses you because they've treated you, and they've cured you, that's a bad thing for the doctor because if you've noticed, when you go to your doctor, 
they ask you questions about something that's going on with you, then by the time you know it, they're, they're setting you up for a meeting with a specialist. And so now by the time you know it, you're seeing that specialist. And they decide to do exploratory things on you. Let's check your, your arteries and see that they're not all clogged up. And let's do an ultrasound. And all these things get tacked onto your Medicare, Medicaid, or your personal insurance. And you pay for them. This is how doctors manage to stay in business. The referral. Doctors washing each other's hands. And passing patients along like... Uh, I don't know. You 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 find me a good uh, metaphor for that one. But they pass you around, and next thing you know, like in my case, I see six different doctors. I see two vascular surgeons, a nephrologist, uh, now a therapist because of my transplant, my regular primary care physician, a podiatrist, and I think that's it. So I have other things going on that I don't want to bring up because I know that's going to lead to another specialist. And you never stop seeing doctors. Because ultimately they're going to find something wrong with you that they can open you up, go inside, and when they close you up, you're never the same. It's a sad state of affairs, but this is the way it is. Even at clinic, when I go to, to clinic, they treat me like I'm 70 years old I'm sometimes I feel like I'm an old man I'm just like I, I, I'm younger than most of the people there most of the people at clinic are in their late 70s early 80s they're old I'm only going on 60 I have a friend there Johnny he's 35 and they treat him like an old man too it's really really weird the technician that takes care of him is younger than he is and she talks to him like he's an old man I see, Papa. Come on. Let, oh, no. God, no. I'm not that kind of Mexican. So, I don't know. It's it's really, it's really weird. But, uh, think about it. And when you, when it comes time for you to be a patient, and you will, you at some point in your life, you will be somebody's patient. And somebody else's and somebody else's and on and on and on. That's the way it works. The medical system got you. Once they got you, they never let you go. It's like a dog on a bone. They don't let you go. And I think those are my two major points. I made them and we're done. All right. Thanks for listening. Stick around. I got more to come. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Stick around, we got more to come. Thanks for listening. And you're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur. Thanks for sticking around. Well, I have to be honest with you because I try to be as honest with all of you as I can be. My last segment that I recorded last night was about hate and all the stuff that's going on nowadays with the uh, anarchy, the Black Lives Movement, the whole occupation of Chaz and Chop and all that and I posted the original segment about hate and they were my views about hate and then this morning I was checking my uh, messenger and I got a video from a friend of mine and there was a Scotsman, I think he was Scottish or maybe English, in the middle of a field reciting a poem that he'd written about hate and tolerance. And I realized that my segment last night was completely off target, off topic as well. I just kind of went off in a little tangent. But here's the thing, and it made me think when I, after I finished watching this guy's poem, and uh, I don't think it's on Facebook anymore. I think Facebook has taken it down because of their intolerance, I guess you could say. But it made me think because in his poem, 
he talks about having his rights. And he goes, if I have a right to love, don't I have a right to hate? And that was the gist of my segment, that we all have hate in our hearts, as well as love. It's a paradox, but then again, life is a paradox. Uh, Somebody once told me that the difference between cops and criminals is nothing. It's the same intense emotion, but on different sides of the scale, like love and hate. Police want to help, criminals want to destroy. But it's the same thing in the human heart. Hate is there, and it lives uh, hand in hand with love. It's hard to believe, but it does. I think I truly, truly was off the mark when I saw that, until I saw that poem. Uh, If I can find a way to put it back on my Facebook, I will, because it's very interesting to watch. Uh, Because I, like the, the poet that I watched, I'm not a homophobe. I'm not intolerant. I think I respect all races, all ethnicities, all sexual and religious creeds. As far as me, I am Catholic, but I am also a Muslim. I am also a Jew. I am also a Hindu, a Buddhist, because I've taken the best of all of those things and made them my own. And I think that's what we—that's what we, a lot of us miss the mark. Okay, Antifa and Black Lives Matter, if you have a, the right to hate cops and the establishment, then I should have the right to hate you for whatever reason. You can't deny that that's my right too. Now, many of you may be saying, oh, you're just wrong because hate's wrong. Yeah, I, I agree, hate is wrong. But hate, when you stop and think about it, it's, a, it's an emotion that we repress because we don't want to be hateful people. Because we see what happens when you let that fire burn too hot. It consumes you and all that you are. And then you just become a burning, bitter flame. Where on the other hand, if you profess love, it's a cooler, more gentle emotion. But hate is still there. Why is it when we talk about the, the, the little angel and the little devil on our shoulders, telling us one, telling us not to do it, the other one telling, yeah, do it, do it, do it. But when you stop and think about it, it's the same thing. It's love and it's hate. They're in constant competition with each other. It's in the human heart. It's the way we are made. We are all going to dislike one person, one group, one gender, one ethnicity for whatever reason. You know, maybe in your your past, uh, you got burned by Jewish people, so you hate all Jewish people. Maybe you were assaulted by a black man, so now you hate all black... Not all black people are bad. Not all Jewish people are bad. You just ran into the wrong ones at the wrong time. That's what it boils down to. So all this stuff about Black Lives Matter, you know, yeah, it's, it's a good concept. I agree with it, but I don't support it because it's gotten... It's made money. Because companies and businesses started donating money to the, to the organization to quell their own racist overtones and to make themselves feel better about themselves. I don't have to do that. I don't have to send you money to feel good about myself because if I want to feel bad about myself, I can do that all by myself without having to give you any money. So Black Lives Matter, maybe, maybe not because it's what you do with it is that what makes you evil or not. So these people talking about burning down everything if they don't get what they want, they're, they're like children throwing a tantrum. You can't give in. So they take down a, 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 a monument or two. You know what? When they're done, put it back up. Make another one. Or really piss them off and put up a, a statue of Donald Trump. Yeah. But we all have hate in our hearts. It's not going to go away. What we have to do is teach those around us to let the love and let the light shine. Evil only exists in the dark, but when you expose it to light, it burns away. We all have to expose ourselves to the light. What is the light? I don't know. It's whatever you think it should be. The light of goodness, the light of God, 
the light of creation. I don't know. You have to you have to find that out and determine that for yourself. But when I see people out there burning down things and injuring other people without any any regard for the others that are around them, that's hate. That's hate incarnate. That's hate functioning and working through a group. Uh, Horace Anderson. I think it's actually Horace Edward Anderson. Was a young boy that was shot and killed in Seattle in the Chop District, in that newly created Chop District. He was 19 years old. He was just there because his friends had had egged him on to come down and see what happened. They ran afoul of the people that ran that place at night, and he was shot and killed. When the police and the paramedics tried to get into the chop to help him, the crowd itself would not let them pass to go and render aid. The boy died by the time they got him to the hospital. He's going to be buried today. I saw his father on television last night. And that is the worst thing in the world is to see a parent grieving for his child. It touched my heart. It realized that the hate is in all of us. As misguided as it may seem, they may think they're doing right, but they're not. They formed a mob, and a mob has the worst is the worst thing you can ever be part of because mobs are all conformist. You have to think, eat, and sleep the same way they do. Otherwise, you're out. Um, I watched a reporter yesterday that said he went to the chop. He's black. He's a black uh, journalist. He went into the chop to try and record what was going on there. Now, the people running the chop wouldn't allow it They said, if you're here to record police brutality, that's okay. But if you're going to record anything else, that's not acceptable. Only because they don't want you to see what really goes on, what they do, the things that they commit in the name of change and goodness. And it's not. It's the the change of anarchy and hate. So these people have hate in their hearts, and they let it out. Because if you don't have that hate, you're not one of them, and they're gonna kick. They may, they may do worse and kick you out. This is the world we currently live in. If you're a patriot, if you believe in America, it's time for us to stand up and take the stick out of the hand of the children and send the children back to their corner and grow up a little bit. These are, and you know, the funny thing is when I see all these protesters, people yelling at black cops, telling them, calling them traitors to their race. Ah, God, you're idiots. We're all the same race. You've never figured that out? Cut a black man, what color is his blood? Red. Or you cut an Asian man, what color does he bleed? Red. You cut a Mexican, what color does he bleed? Red. We're the same race. We just happen to be different ethnicities and different cultures. But we're the same race. You know what? If you want to get you want to get rid of racism and hate, the easiest way to do it is get rid of the human race. Get rid of all of us and turn the planet over to the bees or the ants. I guess maybe they'll do better. But even then, there's racism within the insect community. There are bees that kill other bees. There are ants that enslave other ants. It's a recurring theme with everything that lives on this planet. Yeah, I know it's not fair, but nobody. somebody told me that once that life was not fair. And it's true. So if you want to believe that Antifa and BLM are doing a good thing, well, that's your belief. I'm not going to stop you because that's your right to hate. I believe in my country. I believe in my president. I believe in what this country was founded for and upon. It's not always been pretty because you have to take the bad with the good. Let's look at look at ourselves for a minute. How many bad relationships have you been in? 
you don't want to be in those kinds of relationships anymore. So you try to find people that are going to be more compatible, that are going to be more in, in a tune with your nature, because you don't want that ugliness to happen again. But you always look back to see you can't erase Jennifer or Carol or any of the other failed relationships in your life. You can look back and you can only say, I can make it better. Who was it that said, take a sad song and make it better? Yeah, it was the Beatles. Hey Jude. That's what life, that's what humanity should be about. Making life better. Each and every day as you go along. Make it a little bit better for yourself and somebody else. What doesn't matter what color they are. What doesn't matter what gender they are. Who they sleep with. It doesn't matter. But we make it matter because we have hate in our heart. We still have that little angel, that little devil. In the eternal argument for possession of our soul. These are the bitter angels of our nature. And you know what? It's in every creature that swims, slithers, or flies on this earth. It's survival of the fittest. But we have to show that we can be the more fittest species and live together, work together, explore together, and if necessary, hate together, but do it together. So... I would love to write the poem down. Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll try to transcribe it and reread it to you guys. It's uh, very powerful. And I want to thank my friend Steve Puente for putting it out to me. And uh, I'm going to share it to some of my friends. And hopefully maybe we can uh, get this wave of hatred to snap back on itself and go away. It won't always go away. There's always going to be people like Hitler and Stalin, and Pol Pot, and Hugo Chavez, and Fidel Castro, who, yeah, I'll even take it to, to extreme, some of our own presidents have had hatred for others, but it's not necessary, it's, it's a good thing to be the strongest nation in the world, because when people come up, they want to bitch slap you around, you, you give them the right hand and put them down and you put them down hard and you put them down for good we spend most of our time bitch slapping one another and we never get anything accomplished we just get bloody in the process so to all those that gave their lives willingly or unwillingly George Floyd Horace Anderson and all the others. We won't forget your sacrifice either. It didn't have to be that way, but it turned out that way. That's the saddest part of all. I know I'm kind of ranting, but uh, that poem really got to me. It really, really did. And I'm going to close this segment out because I'm already at 15 minutes. And uh, stick around. I think I got one more. And then this episode's done. Thank you for listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your ever grateful host, Ben Hur. And I also want to thank the people at Anchor Radio, Overcast, and Spotify, uh, and Apple Apple Music for putting me on their podcast system. And I want to thank uh, Anchor, most of all, for getting my ball rolling. So once again, thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you listen to me and you like what you hear, I do it for you. And I can't do it unless I know that I'm doing a good job. So let me know. Tell me what's going on. And I thank you for listening. Stick around. One more segment coming up. Bye-bye. And we're back. You're listening to the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. I'm your host, Ben Hur, and I welcome you back for sticking around, and thank you for sticking around and listening to my podcast. Today is July the 2nd. It's uh, Thursday, 
tomorrow's the third. We're getting close to the weekend. Saturday is July the fourth. It's our Independence Day. That back in 1776, our founding fathers, Thomas Jefferson, John Hancock, Benjamin Franklin, to name a few, wrote a document called the Constant or the uh, Declaration of Independence. And almost every school kid that I know who started school with when I when I did knows basically the preamble: "We the people." We the people are under attack right now by a group of anarchists and Black Lives Matter uh, supporters who are with Antifa and other, some of these other anarchist groups who are trying to force us to avoid the 4th of July. They want us not to observe it ever again. No parades, no barbecues, no fireworks displays. This is their agenda, and it's getting old. So the 4th of July should have much, much more meaning this time, because those of us who are good Americans, who pay our taxes, who go to work every day, and make sure everything gets done to put food on the table and pay our bills, this is an attack on you. Now. All I'm asking is that you stand up for yourself. Stand up and don't take up arms. Pick up your phone and call your congressman or your senator and tell them they need to get tough on Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and all these other hate groups that are trying to force us to live, think, and believe their way. That's not my way. That's not the American way that I grew up with. If you went to college and they fed you anti-American doctrine, well, I apologize. I'm sorry that happened to you. That was abuse. And it, it was abuse at the, at the expense of your parents who put you through college. Wake up, people, please. And if you're not a Republican or a conservative, you're a Democrat, your Democratic leaders are responsible for all this. They want this. To, that, have you have you seen Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer pushing back on any of this? No, they want this. They want this change. They want America to go away, and they want a more communist America. The founders of Black Lives Matter are devout Marxists. What's a Marxist? Because you don't know what that is. It's the preamble of communism. Karl Marx founded the Communist Revolution along with Vladimir Lenin back in 1917. So these doctrines go way back. Yeah, nobody ever told you about them because they didn't want you to know about them. These are supposed to be new radical ideas brought forth by none other than Barack Hussein Obama. Yep. He laid the foundation for all of this. Does it sound like a conspiracy theory? Of course. But it makes sense when you see the result. School children being taught un-American history. The revolution never happened. Slavery never happened. But yet we're a racist country. Makes no sense. What happened with reading, writing, and arithmetic? What the hell? Half our kids can't read. Or they read at a third, fourth grade level and they're in, they're in junior high. They're great with uh, cell phones and computers, but can they write cursive? I don't know. But the 4th of July is on Saturday. And I hope you enjoy it. Because it might be the last one, if we're not careful. If the left has their way, and Joe Biden's elected into the into the presidency, you will not recognize the United States of America by Christmas. Even if there is a Christmas, they're, they're getting rid of that too. That's their plan. We're all going to be nice, good little communists. Does it make sense now that Joe Biden and Barack Obama and Bill Clinton buddied up with, with, uh, with China? 
good buddies they were. But yet, Trump gets a good deal going with the Chinese and he gets crapped on. As being not an American and he's uh, not a friend of China. Wake up, people. Wake up. It's time. It's time for the second American Revolution. And you, you're going to have a front row seat. Wake up. It's time to stand up and wave that flag. If you're a Democrat, it's time for you to get up and when you go to the ballot box, say no to Joe and vote for Donald Trump. Because this country is going to change. Did you ever read 1984? We're headed there. We're definitely headed that in that direction. If AOC and the squad and all these guys get their way, America's going to be totally different. I don't know what religion will be. Probably Muslim, the way they, if they, if that's the way they want it. So, I'm asking you to get off your duffs, get on your phones, call your congressman, call your senator, call your state representatives and tell them this has got to stop. When you go into that ballot box, you know what switch to flip. And it's not Sleepy Joe. God, no. It can't be Sleepy Joe. So remember these words when I when we're all out there grilling our chicken and our fajitas and our briskets and our corn. This country's gonna change if you let it. They can turn this country over to another communist regime without ever firing a shot. If you let them. Don't let them. Stand up for yourself, light your barbecue fire, and pick up your phone and call your representatives and tell them this has got to stop. This has got to stop now. Don't be sheep, people. Cast off your wool and let them see the wolf that stands underneath it. Happy 4th of July. These are the Chairland Chronicles, and as I end every episode, live your life as if it was your last day on earth. Laugh at everything around you and all that you see and yourself. Make sure you laugh at yourself. And love yourself, your parents, your family, your kids, your wife, your husband, Everybody, the, the person at H-E-B, the bum on the street, love everybody. You'll live a longer, better life for it. And take care of yourselves and each other. This is another episode down. These are the Chairland Chronicles. I'm not dead yet. Signing off.